G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, we're just a few weeks away from what may prove to be a significant forum in both Melbourne and in Sydney, where community leaders are going to be asked to enter into a public conversation looking to distinguish between Islam and Islamism. So as Christians, we recognize the importance of any conversation that may reverse any trends of radicalization in Islamic communities and therefore affecting the safety of all Australians. Well, the threat that radical Islam presents to the world is a problem that secular governments have not been able to solve. Now, one of the significant challenges is that those Muslims on the peaceful side of Islam have the potential to move into a radical direction towards political Islam that sometimes culminates in terrorist activity and supremacist caliphate theology. Well, freedom advocate Vicky Jansen is fostering a public conversation with a visiting scholar. His name is Dr. Zudi Jasser. He's the founder of the American Islamic Forum for Democracy. He's coming to Australia. He's going to be here in Australia between March the 12th and the 16th. So we'll talk through some of those issues that will likely be raised in these discussions. Vicky Jansen is our guest and a very special welcome along to 2020 to you, Vicky. Thanks very much, Neil. It's good to be talking to you again. Thank you. Vicky, let's ease our way into this conversation because uh, it's, it's a different sort of direction. It's a different way of looking at uh, what happens with these issues of radicalization that happen within uh, extremist communities. Your personal journey, let's talk about what makes you interested in this issue all about Islam. As I understand it, you had a very, very close friend who was an Egyptian lady. Uh, take us back to some some of those things that sparked your passions. Well, yes, I, I, we were just uh, two mums, with uh, young mums. Uh, it was quite a long time ago, obviously, and our boys were in primary school, and my son's nearly 30, or I think he is 30, so, um, you know, it was a long time ago, and uh, our kids were friends at school, uh, Omar and uh, Nathan were really good friends. And so we spent a lot of time, they spent a lot of each time at each other's houses. I got friendly with his mum. She was, um, you know, what I would call at that time a secular Egyptian uh, woman. We had a lot in common. We had lots of coffee mornings. And uh, and then, you know, I helped her, you know, with assignments with her English, and I helped her paint her house, and we were genuinely good friends. Um, and then uh, after 9-11, there was an, uh, a change uh, in my friend that I witnessed. And uh, she became more and more, um, I guess, extreme in her ideas to the point where, you know, she went from uh, uh, just dressing, normal, you know, like everyone else, if I can say, and working in society in a mixed 
culture to secluding herself, covering herself, not even opening the door without being fully covered, putting gloves on to get into my car because she might be defiled and, and not being able to enter our house in case there was wine in there or something like that. So uh, she she started to separate herself and and it, it, it's that's what sparked, you know, what has happened to my friend? We were really good friends. Why has she suddenly um, taken this view? And uh, so, Neil, she invited me to um, Islamic meetings in Melbourne. And my husband and I attended many Islamic meetings in Melbourne. They were essentially what they called Dawah meetings. I guess Dawah is the, um, the Islamic uh, equivalent of mission. And so they're, they're public forums and they gather and they, they hear teachings from Islamic scholars. And she thought that I would understand Islam and be more open to converting to Islam if I attended these forums. So we went there and we met lots of lovely people and lots of families, And but we heard these messages. And it was here that I became aware that religious beliefs have political consequences because, to be quite honest, a lot of the meetings were really... Um, political meetings with a break for prayer. <laughs> they were all about Islamising Australia and what that actually meant was imposing a different legal system. So this is, was my introduction to sort of, well, what, what is this Sharia? What, what, is, what are the consequences of, um, you know, calling it all culture when it's actually uh, a different uh, set of laws and a different way of life and it's, you know, categorising people into Muslim and non-Muslim. So, you know, this, this is what, how I got interested in the subject and started researching it and attending lots of different meetings um, and, and have seen and heard a lot of things over the years. Now, that was in my book, Ideological Jihad, was a result of that interaction and it was published in 2009. So it was quite a, a few years ago. So uh, Vicky, are you still friends sorry. with your Egyptian friend? Do you keep in well, touch? No, that particular friend, uh, no, and that was a very dramatic time because um, we had, um, you know, she became, and, and why I say radicalised is because it got to the point that she laid out a, a banquet, an Estesol banquet for me, I went to her house, she made her final plea for me to convert to Islam, and when I said, you know, look, you know, Hikmat, I'll never be a Muslim, you know, I'm, that's not who I am, I, I'll never be one. Then she had to wash her hands of me and have nothing more to do with me. So this actually, uh, her um, understanding, her interpretation of what it meant uh, for me to reject Islam was to reject uh, the whole thing, that reject her, reject this, you know, I couldn't anymore, she couldn't have anything to do with me. So unfortunately, I never did see her again, although I dedicated my book to her. And I found that very sad because we had spent so much time as friends together. Um, however, I did see her son as grown up uh, many years later, and, and he came and had a meal with us. He was happy, he was a happy boy that we remembered, and uh, that was uh, really good. Um, but that's just Hikmat. I, I have, uh, you know, through the years I've done um, quite a few public talks, and I have one talk that was called Two Friends, Two Islam. And this made me aware of another Islam. Um, I met another girl um, called Zalifa from Malaysia. And she had, she actually confessed to me as we got to know each other um, that, you know, there was a time in her university days where she would have actually, you know, been willing to be a suicide, you know, um, bomber, I guess, or, you know, to put on a vest for Allah because she wanted to do 
that was what she thought sacrifice was. Um, and so that was a, an amazing revelation to me because this young lady, this lady, was a mother of two, and she was um, a very gentle soul, incredible, an academic, had a legal, uh, had studied law, and uh, was a human rights advocate, and completely different picture to that picture. So, so whilst I've had one friend that had been, if you like, secular and moved to extremism, this one had. Uh, had quite radical ideas at university and had moved into human rights and was the other way. So I saw how kind of fluid this whole idea is. If, um, so what, what we believe can change. Um, and uh, that girl, Zalifa, to this very day is a very close friend of mine and we share um, our most deepest thoughts. So, and she's still um, a Muslim. <laughs> so when we're so talking about these uh, ways that we look at the religion of Islam, uh, you're very clear that there's two types. And, of course, the one that people often will say, you know, Islam is a religion of peace, and that's what it all means. Uh, that's very different to the part of Islam that uh, you're referring to as Islamism, which is the more radical political, ideological form, and what you're saying is it's very fluid between the two, and no doubt people like to rest in the peaceful side, but they're very easily stimulated towards the ideological, political side, and that's where you risk this idea of radicalization. So is is it, a, is it even more complicated than that? So just uh, the peaceful side and the political side? Well, no, there's uh, it, it, no. I would say, you know, I shared a platform with uh, Dr. Bernie Power a few years ago, and um, he pointed out, you know, I think there was five or six different. Um, I haven't got my notes in front of me, so I'm sorry, but he po- he pointed out there were five or six different types of Islam that he had identified as an academic. You know, so there, there are degrees of everything. There's uh, there's all sorts of divides. You know, not just a Shia Sunni divide. Um, there's all sorts of divides um, and all sorts of understandings of what Islam is. So it's not uh, it's not something you can agree on what is Islam. Um, but and and this is I guess you know we just throw it in there that this is one of the reasons I've come to understand well what can we agree on so we can live together. <laughs> Yeah, this is good because this is where your new initiative becomes important because uh, where you've got this idea and, uh, of course, we're Christians and we're talking about Muslims today and uh, we can't agree on theological perspectives. They're very, very different in the way that they are religious and uh, I would even say, and I know I think uh, you'll agree, that diff- we're talking about different gods here, uh, but... We can't afford to disagree on liberty. This is the thing that you're now talking about as some level of common ground. Well, yes, and I think, you know, yeah, we can we disagree on theology with a lot of other, even other Christians, don't we? We, we disagree on theology and we agree to disagree, and that's part of a civil society. That's part of, of uh, and, you know, we can have robust debate and we can walk away and go, well, I don't agree with that, and... Uh, but we don't feel the need to eradicate um, the other person, literally, you know. Um, and I think this is one of the ways of reading it, and we're talking about interpretation and reinterpretation, re- reinterpreting um, a, a, what we call an Islamist understanding of the Quran, which, if you read it literally, would say, you know, you need to get, you know, the Bible 
sort of suggests you get rid of the sin, and you can read the Quran and think, well, it's telling you to get rid of the sinner. Now, that's a huge, uh, huge difference. Um, and this is what, um, you know, you can, and there's a lot of good Muslim people who would never read it like that. Um, but you can. And, and so what I, I think we do have to agree on is that we can agree to disagree on theology, but we can't uh, disagree on liberty. We have to give the space for people to, um, uh, to other people to have a different view. So to have um, a, a, a movement promoted in Australia, an Islamist movement, openly promoting that you can eradicate sinners or, you know, that the natural, well, we offer them this and if they turn it down, then we have, you know, the right to control, to coerce, to, you know, kill, you know, in, in, if it's a terrorist group, uh, to, to start thinking that's a godly, God-given right because you rejected a particular theology that we can actually do that. I mean, there's so dangerous ideas and, you know, I'm just amazed that I was shocked when I first heard them, you know, being, you know, that proposition in Melbourne, you know, like, you know, and I've had young uh, teenage boys from, uh, that were friends with my son at school and they were educated in Australia. They're at an Australian school and I asked them, you know, so what do you think? Because they saw me at an um, Islamic lecture. They came and asked, what did you think? And we sat down and we talked. And I said, well, what do you think? Uh, do you think it's okay to kill someone for apostasy, for changing their theological view, for, if, you know, for a change? Do you think it's, it's okay to kill someone for that? And their honest answer, these young boys who were brought up in Australia, said, uh, well, if that's what the Quran says, yes. Now, that's a scary thing, that you would just, you know, think that that's okay. Uh, so I think that, you know, we can't deny, and this is what I like about this Dr. Zidi Jasser, who's a Muslim reformist in this whole Muslim reform movement. They recognize that civil society, the liberal West, those two pillars are of, of liberal Western democracy, a sort of freedom of speech, freedom of belief. And if we don't uphold those, uh, and we don't insist on those things, how can we really have and maintain civil society with human rights and so forth? This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. A different approach today and regular listeners to 2020 will know that we're often quite good at pointing out the dangers of radical Islam from a Christian perspective and a different way of approaching these issues today, taking a little step back and looking for something good that might emerge from some public conversations with a visiting academic scholar, Dr. Zudi Jasser, who is the founder of the American Islamic Forum for Democracy. He's going to be in Australia between March the 12th and the 16th, and there is a way you can be a participant there, although we'll uh, get some insights from our guest about that in just a few moments. Uh, before we take any calls, 
uh, let me just ask you, uh, Dr. Zudi Jasser is coming to Australia, uh, Vicky, and uh, from what I understand, he's quoted as saying there is a civil war within Islam. So there'll be some in Australia who'll be looking forward to his coming and there'll be others who'll be seeing this guy as a little bit of a radical. Uh, what are your thoughts here? Yes, well, that's true, that um, some will say he's divisive, he's dividing the community, but what he's suggesting is that needs to happen uh, to have people who stand on the side of liberty, of freedom, that will support secular governance, and he said that, you know, there is this movement, you know, in the UK, in Canada, America, around the globe, a group of Muslim leaders who are saying that the political Islam needs to be relegated to the past, and they're saying we have to, you know, support an Islam that that is, um, doesn't conflict with secular governance, you know, the caliphate idea has to go, Sharia laws uh, have to go, that we have to uphold, you know, Western democracy, secular governance, universal human rights. Um, and uh, so this, this, of course, is quite difficult because for some, you know, that um, uh, Muslim leaders, of course, that they've signed up to the Cairo Declaration of Human Rights rather than the Universal Declaration of Human Rights and it is the most version subject to Sharia law. So, you know, this is, you know, uh, whether you think Sharia is sacred or he's saying that, you know, it's a spiritual Islam, that God is a personal thing, very much in the same way that we as Christians would view our relationship with God, um, and that, you you know, this is not something that you can... Uh, we need to get rid of these apostasy and blasphemy laws and so forth. So, yeah, there will be quite a lot of um, people who will probably welcome him and a lot that will not welcome this because it is obviously threatening um, traditional views of, of those things. Uh, Vicky, I mentioned uh, just a moment ago uh, that as Christians, and we're talking about this event that's coming up, and I said I'd need to refer to you as to whether uh, you as a Christian can get a ticket to go along and be part of the audience in these conversations, but uh, um, is that is that something that you're encouraging Christians to do, or is this actually something as Christians uh, you stand back and let those who are Muslims have this conversation. Is this something that you would have people go to, or how do you how do you work that? Yeah, well, no these these are public meetings, and this is a civil uh, you know a, a platform for citizens, a citizens platform. But what we've done because we want to encourage Muslim participation is that the first night on um, the Tuesday, the twelfth of March, in Melbourne at the uh, Melbourne City Conference Centre will be a, pla- a panel of um, Australian Muslim academics, uh, two Muslim academics to engage with Zudi on the merits of the Muslim reform movement. So that will be solely um, him, you know, Zudi presenting it. Um, I guess there will be, you know, commentary from the others and then they will engage in a conversation so that we can learn um, about their views uh, about the Muslim reform movement. And the following night, we'll have Dr. Bernie Powell from the Melbourne School of Theology engaging with Dr. Zudi on the same topic. So it'll just progress to a different point of view. And then we go to Sydney, and on the Saturday the 16th, 
of March, he'll be engaging with Professor Mehmet Olzap on the subject. So to answer your question, this is for all citizens because the outcome isn't, you know, whilst, you know, reformation, any idea of an Islamic reformation, this is what it's all about. You know, he's saying that the Christians had a reformation. We need a reformation to separate mosques and states, to take the political the political side out of Islam and just have a, a faith rather than, than Islam being a state, a nation-state, okay. um, you know, with its own laws. But that, that's the big crux. But, of course, that impacts all of society. If you have a group of people who want to create a state within a state with its own laws and are going to punish people and do all sorts of things, that impacts all of society. So, obviously whilst it's a, got to come from an internal thing because it's a Muslim theological question and it's a political question, it impacts everyone. So it's of interest, it's of public interest and it's of uh, really important uh, for freedom, democracy and human rights. You know, it's very important for everyone. Yeah. Let's take a call and our talkback line open 1-800-316-316. Mark is on the line from Mackay in Queensland. Hello, Mark. Welcome along. Thanks, Neil. Thanks very much. What are your um, thoughts, Mark? Uh, it's hard to know where to begin with this, but at, uh, in a very short time. But Neil, it, it just continually amazes me, exasperates me, the failure of us to learn from the past. And uh, the reality is, the history of Islam is a completely different doctrine and understanding uh, to what the Western understanding is uh, of faith and certainly of our God and, and those of, the, of, you know, certainly of those of Messiah. But, you know, we fail to learn from the history of it. And, you know, it has a 14-year, a 100-year history of only conquest. Um, and, you know, there's, there's, just, there's just nothing else that stands in front of it. But the other thing is, the second point is that the powerhouse of Islam is Sharia Islam. And... You know, the reality is when we hear over and over from Islam's world leaders saying there is only one Islam. And I mean, I've, I've just seen document, you know, just over and over presentations of Islam presented meetings where the, the imams and those in the head position have just said over and over, there is only one Islam. And so those that are trying to find a moderate position between Sharia and are fitting in with the West, Sharia Islam just wipes them out and, and regards them as infidels anyway. Mark, you're making a good point. Let's get a response here from Vicky. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Mark. Understand exactly where you're coming from. Um, Ludi is appealing to Western Muslims who, he says, have the benefit of being in, in a Western free society to... They have to be the ones to make the change. He knows this is not going to work in, um, in, in an Islamic society. It needs to happen in the West by free-thinking Muslims. And so this is a group of free-thinking Muslims who are trying to make a change. And whether or not they are even capable of succeeding, you know, of course we can debate that and we could just say, let's not bother. Or we could stand on the side of free-thinking Muslims and hold up their arms and say, yeah, we're standing with you, we can live with you, you're at, we can be your neighbour. Um, because these guys are supporting uh, the Western civilization and freedoms that are very hard won. They don't want to give it up. This guy, his parents were from he's uh, American-born Syri of Syrian descent, 
He understands the, you know, tyranny of the Assad regime. He understands the, um, you know, the, the whole Islamist thing in detail. And he's offering, you know, this can be reinterpreted, re-understood. We don't have to agree with his theology or how he gets there. But what we should, I believe, agree with is that he's offering a pathway uh, to be able to coexist and, uh, you know, in freedom. And so I think this is someone worth listening to and going to, we should be standing on the side of free-thinking Muslims, not becoming like the Islamists. He says, uh, what does he call them? He calls them, um, uh, you know, the people who agree with Islamists that there's only one Islam. He says, you're just, you know, um, enabling the Islamists by agreeing with them that there's only one. So he's just released this book for the Australian tour um, called Which Islam, Whose Islam, and other essays. And it will be available at uh, these public meetings. It's on my website as well. But, you know, this is the question. Which Islam, Whose Islam, and why is it that only the Islamists get the air and only that Islam gets the air? So, you know, this is the thing. It's not that we... we he's not in denial about history. He's not in denial about there needing to be a problem like so many others will be denying that there's a problem. He's not in denial about that. Uh, there is a sense, uh, and I'm just uh, looking for a quote here, uh, where uh, your guest uh, says that for people like us in Australia, and he's talking about Western nations uh, across the board, there's a need to fight for liberty with the same intensity that Islamists fight to establish a global caliphate. Uh, what are your thoughts for the intensity by which, as Christians, we might actually foster the idea of standing for liberty. Uh, your thoughts, Vicky? Well, yes, I mean, I think liberty is uh, incredibly important. You know, we have those verses like, you know, um, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. It's a very important thing that we are, uh, we've been given free agency, free choice. This is part of creation, that we were given free choice and free agency. Now, what we say when this is when we just go, oh, that all Muslims are like this. This is Islam. That's the way it is. We are denying uh, them any choice, any agency, anything to exercise. Whereas uh, what we have with uh, Zudi Jassa is a Muslim man who is saying we need to, you know, separate the faith that we have as Muslims with God from political Islam that promotes a nation state with its own laws. It has to become. A personal faith that is compatible with the West. Now, what he's saying to Muslims is, you don't have to listen to the flock. You don't have to listen to anyone. Your relationship with God is personal. You have a choice. Now, I think as Christians that it's a, an important thing to make sure that everyone has a choice. And as a liberal democracy, we don't, you know, I don't have to be, if my mother's a Christian, I don't have to be a Christian. If my mother's an atheist, I don't have to be an atheist. You know, you have choices. Now, this is one of the big things about the difference between, you know, a liberal democracy and a totalitarian society. You know, com communists don't have choice. Islamists don't have choice. Um, so, you know, tyrannical governments don't offer choice. Uh, but we have choice, and the more that we can offer those choices to others, to me, it's just the right thing to do. We should treat other people the way we want to be treated. We should offer them a choice. So, 
this is what Zudi is doing. He's saying liberty is a better choice than an Islamic state. He's saying it's better. People don't come here now. They, you know, for an, an equal life or a worse life. They come here for a better life. And so, why would we erode the very things that people come to the West for, which is, of course, freedom, democracy, and human rights? So uh, he's saying, don't let it go. Don't foster these ideas that uh, are going to put you back in the bondage that you had in under Islamic laws in Islamic nations. And Vicky, something special about being Australian in this whole concept, because this Australian freedom that we have and that we pray will continue uh, does create that choice uh, for people who move here with another religion or who are raised here under another religion other than Christianity. And so this choice uh, and while we might say, uh, you know, it's a Christianity that gives us that freedom, and uh, we can argue that, and let's not uh, get into uh, a deeper discussion mm-hmm. about that today, but but as a remedy for radicalization, the very fact that we have this freedom in Australia creates the choice where those Muslims can choose to be peaceful. Well, of course they can, and we have to allow, you know, we should be encouraging anyone who's going to stand on the side of freedom and stand on the side of of human rights and democracy and secular governments where everyone has a voice. You know, we, we all can go to the polls. We all have a voice. Um, we have to encourage anyone who's promoting liberty. And it is something that we can unite in. Um, as I keep saying, we agree to disagree. So, yeah, I mean, we, we are unique in that stage. I mean, you know, many people are concerned that some of our freedoms are being eroded. That's a whole other subject. But... And this is an area where we don't, you know, it's, um, it's, it's just another area. If we, if we don't allow Muslims the freedom to make or encourage them to make better choices, you know, and it has to really come from within Islam. I mean, because if you've been brought up to think that everything un-Islamic is sort of, you know, um, unclean, more or less, you know, it's not to be trusted, uh, there are people who have those views. Uh, it's very difficult. But if you have a a Muslim who says he's a devout Muslim, but he promotes liberty, that the only thing he would die for is his country. So he's, he's very patriotic. Now, that's a kind of a foreign concept to Australians, I know. But he's very patriotic. You know, he's uh, an ex-Navy um, lieutenant and so forth, and, and he would be willing to die for his country, but he wouldn't die. Uh, he wouldn't be, you know, he can't understand uh, killing for your faith. He said, the only thing you can die for is your country. <laughs> yeah. We're taking calls, 1-800-316-316. You might like to have your say. Uh, you might also have a question or a comment. Our Facebook address, uh, facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Let's take a call from John in Queensland. Hello, John. Welcome along. Hi. <coughs> John, what are your thoughts? Yeah, my thoughts is um, this world is full of suffering. And uh, a lot of it is coming from the religious hierarchies or religious people uh, who's having a great time. They think they are demigods. And uh, we've got freedom in Australia, but someone is paying for that freedom. It's not freedom for free. We, we're getting freedom because we've robbed the land from the, from the Aborigine and we're having a great time selling it off to everybody else. And when it comes to religion, <coughs> um, 
we are just battlefield gleaners. <coughs> ridge, ridge, uh, ridge, um, all these um, religious war, all these um, terrorism and all that does come from religion, I believe. Like uh, when you mention, when people mention uh, terrorists, <coughs> everybody gets scared. But nobody mentions a terror, a terrorist maker. There are people out there <coughs> who are actually pushing buttons, making people create, um, committing crimes. Now, that could be me, that could be you, that could be anybody, really. And uh, this world is full of suffering. We should stop thinking that we are God. We should do our little bit, love our neighbors, love ourselves, love our families, don't force nothing on anybody. And John, you make some interesting points in there, and uh, the idea that we all might be battlefield gleaners, uh, that's an interesting point. And uh, I'll get a, a response here. Vicky, uh, were you following along how uh, John's thoughts are? What are your thoughts for him? Mm, um, there, was quite a, there was quite a lot of information in there. I, I, don't, uh, I don't think that all... Re- all, uh, all of these uh, terrible things that happen to come from a religious point of view. I mean, because obviously, you know, core, hardcore atheists will kill dissenting fellow comrades with no less impunity than an Islamist. Um, so, you know, the, the record of uh, communism is not great uh, in terms of, you know, terror. So it is a human uh, frailty. It's a human weakness. And this is where I think we need to humanise everything. I, I completely agree with you that uh, we need to treat other people the way we want to be treated. And this is why, you know, giving people a fair go, encouraging uh, the things that are good for them and good for us and good for the whole of society. There's a greater good in everybody uh, having a genuine appreciation of the liberty that we have. And, uh, you know, everyone in Australia does have... Uh, you know, the, the opportunity, whether they take it up or not, they all have the opportunity. You know, everybody can, you know, apply for jobs and houses and get things. And so in that sense, and have access, we don't have, you know, we have access to the same places and the same things. So whether or not we take advantage of that is another thing. But we do need to maintain the the um, you know the freedom that everyone has the, the access and the opportunity in the same way. So I, I do believe that we should have equal opportunity. Okay, thank you so much to John from Queensland. Our talkback line open one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. You might like to have your say one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Interesting with the Muslim reform movement, Vicky, and uh, yeah. linking moderate leaders uh, who stand for secular government, uh, rights for women, uh, freedoms of religion and speech. And opposing violence and terrorism. This is uh, this is the way it's framed around this sort of moderate uh, Islam. Of course, uh, people deepening their faith even in those things doesn't guarantee that there won't be this fluidity that we were talking about a little earlier. Uh, that you might uh, all of a sudden agree that you want to be a moderate. Uh, freedom-loving Muslim, but then that might, with a change of leadership or uh, changes in circumstances, lead to a fluidity more to this ideological, uh, deepening, uh, radicalised Muslim uh, Islamism. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on the, the, the fluidity and the change, even when you are talking about moderate Islam? Well, 
Yeah, well, look, you know, because people can, you know, change, and it is fairly fluid, um, you know, you can agree to this one day, not agree to it the next. But I think what we have to understand is growing up with freedom. And uh, in the West, um, our, our, you know, the second generation Muslims have, and beyond, have grown up uh, where they've had to make choices in school, um, in society, at work. Uh, so, I mean, freedom is something you get trained in. You get you get trained to exercise your will. So, my uh, an answer to your question about easily sliding one way or the other: if you are trained and encouraged to be trained and to make choices, and you know, age appropriate as you go through life, you become you strengthen your will. You, if you never exercise it, if you just have to do what you're told and you never exercise your will, you are weak willed. You will flow this way or that way. So weak willed. This is not what God wants. He wants us to uh, learn as we go through life, age appropriate choices, and this happens with faith as well. You know, we we don't uh, expect um, you know uh, three year olds to give huge sermons. So you your ex- expectation is that as we foster more and more freedom in these in the community, that that they will reach an age of maturity and make up their own mind, and then it's the consequences of that. Uh, is is what you know they or perhaps others have to live with, um, but that they have the freedom to make up their own mind. So I think this is a, less fluidity is likely, um, you know, moving in the wrong direction. If you are trained to exercise your will and are trained to appreciate the, this uh, really this wonderful gift of liberty. Okay, so we've got a citizens platform just a few weeks away, Melbourne and in Sydney. And what I can hear you saying here, Vicky, is that there's an idea that new generations might grow up being peace-loving. And unless you foster this sort of opportunity for people who are moderate Islamic to be able to have their say and to actually foster that within the Islamic communities, then you won't have that spark that has new generations growing up peace-loving. So these sorts of things do need to be fostered. Well, they do. And, you know, unfortunately, we've had it go the reverse. You know, I noticed um, in li- living in Melbourne that um, quite often you would see um, a, a more of a free-thinking mum and dad and the next generation had radicalised. And I think sometimes that this is one of the other issues is that that we have such an apathy towards what we have that we don't appreciate it, we don't value it, we don't talk about it, we don't explain it, uh, that, that our kids uh, take it for granted and so it doesn't have any worth, any value. So when you're going through those teenage years and you're looking for some value and identity and all these things, um, you swing into various sort of cults and various ideas and, and our, you know. And so this is when uh, young people in the Muslim community are very rad- are very uh, vulnerable uh, because they might find an identity in a place because there's so much identity politics um, because we don't foster freedom and liberty and democracy and all these things in our schools. We we talk about inclusivity, we talk about multiculturalism, everybody's the same, nothing's better. Well, if nothing's better, why why would they value what we have? You know, so we we should be valuing these things. Not every country has them, and we're not teaching our kids the value of them. And so this is one of the problems 
uh, of, of kids moving in the wrong direction, in my view. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective. 2020 on Vision. A very interesting conversation we've been having this past hour and uh, you might want to listen to it again. You'll be able to on a podcast later on today. Uh, our guest is freedom advocate Vicky Jansen. She's fostering a public conversation with a visiting scholar. Now, he's an Islamic scholar, Dr. Zudi Jasser. He's the founder of the American Islamic Forum for Democracy. He's going to be in Australia the 12th through the 16th of March, and there are going to be these forums, citizen forums, in both Melbourne and in Sydney. In Melbourne, at the Melbourne City Conference Centre on the 12th and 13th, and in Sydney at the University of Sydney. Uh, Vicky, when people think about going along here, uh, as we as we said, it's you're going as an observer, and uh, it's not necessarily a theological debate, but it's an opportunity to air and raise the issues around this issue of freedom. This is something that uh, that ought to be encouraged. Well, yes, I mean there is a broader public conversation that goes on: is Islam compatible with Western liberal democracy? And so this is actually a forum to try and have that discussion. Uh, you know, the Muslim reform movement are saying, well, unless we cut off political Islam, it isn't. Uh, we need to separate mosque and state. We need to separate, you know, political aspirations, um, you know, Islamic political aspirations for, for a caliphate and Sharia laws. Um, so... This is listening to Muslims of varying views, varying opinions, to, to, to really understand that there is a greater ideological diversity in Islam than we imagine. Um, so it's not about, um, you know, arguing the, you know, the theology of it. It's a, it's a, it's a civil, you know, a, a, civil, a um, citizens forum so that we can, you know, find a way uh, to live together, you know, to stop the ideological... Um, information that does tend to radicalise, and and this is the argument. Some Zudi says that you know basically radicalisation, you know that terrorist attacks are just the end result of of an ideological jihad, which is you know the name of my book, it's ideological jihad um, that that goes on. It, it, these are ideological concepts that their natural end will be um, you know terrorism or the pushing for an Islamic state. Okay. Uh, he said that, that's no good. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Vicky, uh, these public events, Melbourne and in Sydney, uh, people can get a ticket. Uh, there are some costs to cover. You have got a ticket price. It's very reasonable. Uh, people can go online at Vicky Jansen. That's J-A-N-S-O-N. That's vickyjansen.com.au. Uh, I think it's $25 a ticket. And uh, you've got a concession there for uh, for uh, students and for others. Uh uh, what's say yes, twenty five dollars a ticket? Yeah, twenty dollars for students and pensioners. That's correct. Okay. Now he's written a book called "Which Islam? Whose Islam?" and other essays, and uh, that is the sort of book that you'd be perhaps buying if you're interested to give a listening ear to the further, deeper debate that might be going on within Islam, not something that you're buying to increase your Christianity. You might find some other great books about uh, what Christians believe as comparison to uh, those thoughts of Islam, but uh, certainly for those who are wanting to deepen their understanding of what is happening, uh, that might be a useful thing. 
you've written a number of books too, and no doubt there'll be some links on your site there, Vicky Jansen, vickyjansen.com.au. Vicky, thank you so much for uh, giving us your attention and uh, these sh- thoughts there today. Uh, for those Thanks dates, for once again, Melbourne City Conference Centre, the 12th and 13th of March, the University of Sydney on the 14th and... No, the 16th. Sorry. On the 16th. On the, the of, University of Sydney uh, on the 16th. Yes. On the 16th. It's all on the website. They can... Book online. Vicky, thanks for being with us on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Love to be here. Thank you. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.